when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to Raptors of Everything for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, Wayne Liu. Joining me on this special playoff preview, at least first round playoff preview podcast, is uh, Vivek. What's up? What's going on, man? Excited. I'm finally, we're finally here. Are you excited for Raptors Magic? I mean, I'm excited to see if they can stomp them. You know what I mean? I feel mm-hmm. like that's the only way they can kind of make a statement. Uh, I, I guess sort of erase... Uh, those ghosts of the past, you know, if you if you get into an extended series, then all those doubts start to creep in again. Um, but I think if you can just come out and uh, perform to expectations, wrap this up in whether it be four or five and just be convincing in all the games, uh, I think that's what I'm excited to see. I agree with you in the sense that it would be very, very nice if the Raptors can take care of business really quickly. But I think you and I are both in agreement that this is kind of shaping up to a bit of an ugly series because the Magic have... They played really well of late. Like, I'm not going to stand here and trump up the Magic. That's probably going to be your job. Yeah. Because you're going to talk me into why we should be scared of the Magic. But uh, <laughs> just off the top, I, I got to say, like, first off, this is the playoffs. Like, you're not going to cruise through the playoffs. Even against a team that you're better against, you're probably going to struggle against that. You're probably going to have to maybe drop one or two games. And if that happens, like, just don't freak out, all right? Like, literally, the playoffs are supposed to be hard. Right. And the Magic are a decent opponent. Now, um, I've just skimmed over uh, a p- portion of the Magic Raptors Magic scouting report that we're going to put out later today on uh, Yahoo Sports Canada. But you tell me why the Magic um, might be a tough opponent in the first round. I think because they can negate the Raptors' biggest strengths. When you look at what they're able to do defensively, uh, they're really able to um, contest threes. They really limit shot, shot attempts at the rim. Um now, one thing that that has sort of helped them, they've maintained that structure defensively all throughout the season. It's just that teams were really shooting the ball at a high clip um, when to the point where they were 20 and 31. But since then, since uh, that point, they've gone 22 and 9, um, and all those numbers have sort of regressed to the mean. And so you're seeing the team. Now, are they a 22 and 9 team? I mean, that's essentially a 58-win season. Um, which is what the Raptors just pulled off. I don't think they're that good. Um, but again, when, when when you're able to, you know, sustain what, what was basically the number one defense since the All-Star break, so that's over 20-ish games, uh, that shows you what they're capable of on the defensive end. Um, and, you know, they just play very risk-free defense. They don't uh, look to force turnovers. They look to stay solid positionally. They know they have uh, across the perimeter, they have guys in Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, West Wandu, guys that can just switch out. Um, so that is something that they look to do. And then with Vucevic, they they will look to drop the big at every opportunity. Um, one thing that, that was really interesting as well was when, when they have switches between uh, the point guard um, and any of the forward or guard positions, they're able to switch and then switch back very quickly as well. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that was something that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, mainly d- d- defensively uh, is where... Um, they should be able to do some damage. I mean, the Raptors had their lowest offensive rating. Uh, their lowest offensive rating came against the Magic. No, right. no other team held them uh, to a, a worse performance, uh, efficiency-wise, uh, than the Magic. So you, you expect them uh, to stop the Raptors uh, to a better degree than you know at least what you might have seen out of the Pistons or the Nets. Um, offensively, I do think you know you, you look at what. Uh, they're able to do with the pick and roll, you know, that uh, we've talked about dribble penetration and what uh, needs to be done there. You know, Marcus all is largely going to drop 
um, as the big. And so if the Raptors can control that area and sort of make sure that Augustine isn't able to just uh, pick out Vucevic at every opportunity, whether it's the pick and pop, whether it's the pick and roll, I think that's something that's really important. Um, and then, you know, we've seen some hot shooting nights from Jonathan Isaac, uh, Aaron Gordon, you know, again, the physicality of them being able to, uh, you know, match up with the Raptors really well. We talk about, you know, the length, uh, the flexibility that the Raptors have. That's that's where they do match up well with the Raptors. So um, if there is a point of emphasis, again, it's the defense getting into a grinded out style type of game and then maybe squeezing out a result. Yeah, for sure. Look, this is why I think the series would be ugly is defensively, right? The Magic yeah. are pretty solid. And I think they have kind of the personnel to make things difficult for the Raptors. We've already seen it throughout the season. Now, granted, um, well, two things, actually. One, I think the Raptors know better over the last couple of years that the regular season series matchup is not necessarily what translates and happens in the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, obviously that Wizards series being the Raptors sweeping the Wizards in the regular season and the Wizards sweeping the Raptors in the playoffs. But, um, you know, the other thing is I just think the Magic are really well equipped to guard the Raptors' top two scorers. And we can go through position by position, but I think the biggest X factor for the Magic is Jonathan Isaac in this series just because if I'm sketching a path to an upset, right, and I, again, I'm picking the Raptors in this series, you're picking the Raptors in this series, we're just kind of looking at it in terms of um, if you're Orlando, what is your path to potentially making an upset? And it would be a huge upset. But the path to that would be you got a guy like Isaac who guards Pascal Siakam really well. It's yep. not just Pascal averaged 8.8 .8 points per game against him this season. Um, he had like 15 points in the first game of that series on 7-11 shooting. Decent game. Uh, that was around the time where like, you know, Pascal wasn't fully in scouting reports just yet. You know, that was just in December. Like he was kind of breaking up, but not really. But in the three games since, I mean, I mean it, Pascal has just had such a hard time in the series. He shot one of eight in game two, three of 10 in game three, and two of nine in game four. So right. Pascal's going uh, to have a lot of trouble with Isaac just because um, Isaac is very uniquely shaped to guard a guy like Pascal, right? He's, what, seven foot tall, basically. He has a seven foot one wingspan. Yep. Um, and this is something we talked about after the last you know game where uh, you and I got together for the reaction podcast against the Magic where the Raptors won that game yep. on April 1st. But we talked about how um, you know Pascal likes to feel contact from the defender so he knows how to spin. And Isaac has done a really good job backing off. So, I mean, what do you think Siakam can do against Isaac? And if Siakam can't do something against Isaac, then where the Raptors go in terms of scoring? Because that's where the Magic might see it as if we stop Siakam, we limit you know Kawhi to doing whatever Kawhi is doing, and we force the Raptors into a tough defensive series, that's where the Magic can actually do damage. Yeah, I think um, in a strange way, we've become... We've come to expect Pascal on the ball so much where, you know, he even gets the ball out in transition and he pushes. But I think that actually helps Isaac pick him up because Isaac is one of those unique defenders who can sort of keep up with him when he has the ball. So I think maybe if there's more potential for him to leak out without the ball, that's a way for him to get going um, and then maybe just make Isaac work a little bit harder. Um, as far as attacking Isaac goes I think he's got to let the game come to him I think this is something that Nick Nurse talked about as well he shouldn't necessarily look to force the issue the Raptors have so many offensive weapons where you know I think one of one of the things I noticed uh just from watching some tape was uh they're very happy for Siakam to go in the post with Isaac they're very happy for Danny Green to go in the post with uh DJ Augustine for them, that's a win because it takes the Raptors sort of out of their free-flowing offense. If you if you're if you're running post-ups for those guys, um, then they feel like they've won that possession, regardless right. of the outcome. So um, I think Siakam ideally should be looking for opportunities more in transition, more free-flowing, um, where he's getting the ball um, on the catch, on the run, um, and then maybe uh, other things will open up for him. But uh, you know, uh, he had some catch and shoot opportunities for three. I think that's going to be huge for him. The jump shot. Um, we, we've seen his corner three shooting really, really improve. Um, and so if that can give him some space, if that can sort of get Isaac to play him a little closer, like you said, Isaac's done a good job of backing off and making sure that, uh, Siakam doesn't have, uh, anything to play off of. Uh, if he can get Isaac to get closer to him, get, get that sort of inch of separation, uh, and then 
you know, and then, and then go finish at the rim the way he has all season, then I think that's the best way for him to go about attacking Isaac. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you, man. I, I don't think he needs to force the issue as much in this series. Um, quite, just quite honestly, because I think Isaac has is like basically uniquely shaped to guard a guy like Siakam. Right? First off, the Magic are do a great job taking away transition points. Yeah. Um, just as a team, they they're really good at getting back, and so obviously that's where Siakam gets a lot of his scoring. You take that off the table, that's already like five points off the table. And then, as you mentioned, the one on one scoring against Isaac, I just don't think it's a good matchup physically because Isaac is bigger. Right, and even if you do get a shot off, it's not going to be a great shot. And I just think that it's not that I want Pascal to just like sit in the corner and only shoot threes, but um, I think this is a chance for him to show off the other parts of his game. Like if he can break Isaac down, get to the rim, draw a bit of help, and then kick. You know what I mean? Like that's something he used to do really well with Jacoperto, for example. Right? He would break down, or he would cut. He would get to the basket, force help, and then dish it out to the dumping big. And so mm-hmm. there's other ways to attack other than him just going one-on-one. Again, him in the uh, – passing on the post has been great against just about anybody in the league. But Isaac is Isaac is very um, uniquely shaped in that matter. I, I do think that one of the, the – the, I think, you know, this whole thing with Isaac, though, like we might be overthinking it just a little bit in the sense that um, first off, he's not going to play as many minutes as Pascal, right? right? And he's a very young player, and this is his first playoff run. And he's not a very good shooter either. Like he's like an OG Ananobi level shooter of like he's tricky. He can hit a shot, but it's like ah, eh, whatever. We'll live with it, right? Um, if he goes cold and if his confidence slips just a little bit, this could be the kind of thing where it's like, man, he's such a liability offensively that the Magic might need to take him out. And and, and if I'm if I'm Steve Clifford, really the only option I have in terms of boosting my offense with that starting lineup, and if Isaac is not cutting it, is you slide Aaron Gordon to the four and you put Terrence Ross in at two. Mm-hmm. And you keep things the same. But if you do that, it's such a big sacrifice on defense. And I also, you know, watching through the tape of Pascal, one thing I know is he's actually very effective against Aaron Gordon. He can actually get it. Um, you know, Gordon is very quick uh, in terms of – he's just – Aaron, sorry, Aaron Gordon is very strong. And we'll talk about that in terms of, like, this, the matchup against Kawhi. But um, Pascal's jump off the floor, he's got a quicker jump than Aaron Gordon does. Even though Aaron Gordon is, like, a prolific leaper, right. he's, a, he's not slow off his feet, but Pascal's just so quick off his feet that he can rise up and shoot over top. And so that's one of the advantages he has against Gordon. And so, you know, I think there's still going to be opportunities for Siakam to attack, but I just don't think that Siakam is going to be necessarily the number two option, especially him in the post when Isaac is out there. And I think as long as they keep that in mind, it should be okay. And I and I do think that, again, like as much as Isaac is a good defender, like I'm, I'm not even sure he can stay on the floor offensively just yet to worry too much about it. Um the, the other matchup I'm a little bit more worried about is Kawhi versus Aaron Gordon. Not in the sense that I'm worried Kawhi won't score. I think he's still going to get his averages and stuff. But, um, again, this is one of those things where you got a guy in Gordon who's very strong, and Kawhi likes to bully wings. Most times he can do it. Gordon is too strong for him to bully, and he's not going to get a great shot off in that situation. There's even been a couple of situations this year where Kawhi's gone to the turnaround jumper. Gordon's blocked that turnaround jumper, which is really hard to do. Um so what what would you do against Gordon in terms of if you're Nick Nurse and you're trying to get Kawhi some open shots? Um, in terms of getting Kawhi some open shots, I think I think you look for you know those switch opportunities to try you know dare them to make those switch backs as much as possible. Maybe run uh, pick and rolls, you know the the one three pick and roll a, a little more often where you can get maybe a DJ Augustine or you know even even if you can get uh, Evan Fournier onto him. Um, that can open up some opportunities. But again, I think the key for the Raptors offensively is staying committed uh, to team ball and staying committed to staying in a flow. Uh, because you look at this series, the way the Magic defend Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol, their scoring is going to be really important. Um, just staying uh, attentive to their scoring opportunities when they're left open. Um, Marcus Gasol... Again, with the with the big dropping, with Vucevic dropping, he's got to be ready to uh, pull that mid mid range J. So um, I think that's something that Kawhi needs to be aware of as well, and sort of just uh, trust Lowry and Gasol uh, with the offense a bit more. Um, and again, with Kawhi, with Pascal, I I, I think they should be more, um, you know, in ca- in case of emergency, break glass kind of situations in terms of their post ups and in terms of. Um, their ISO opportunities. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think this is one thing where Kawhi has to really trust in, like you said, like how to deliver from the ball. I think that one, three action is going to work really well. Um, 
just because again gordon is very athletic is a super athlete really but he's not that quick laterally either and so there's been a couple opportunities where when you go through the tape um Kawhi's been able to use the handle to shake gordon a little bit and blow past him and either get him off balance where okay then his strength isn't as much of a factor because he's off balance uh for him to attack in that kind of area but again the, the whole idea is to get Kawhi into space right and i think the two ways i think the most basic two ways you can get that to happen is a you have him screen for larry or even larry screen for him that's fine um or you have Gasol screen and set like a ball screen and just run a regular 3-5 pick and roll because, again, Gordon is kind of bulky, but, like, bulk kind of becomes an issue when you're trying to fight around a screen. And you have to fight around a screen because Kawhi can shoot. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, the Magic play pretty conservatively, like you mentioned. Like, they'll probably drop Vucevic back. So that elbow jumper, if Kawhi wants to get an elbow jumper, he shouldn't really try to face up and attack Aaron Gordon or whatever. He should really just try to get that high screen, come around it, get Gasol to erase Gordon from the play, and then get to the elbow area and shoot because he's going to be open in that area. Right. And Kawhi's very good at it. So, um, like like I said, ultimately I'm not too worried about Kawhi getting his offense. I think he's going to score against almost everybody in the league. Really? Like, he's, yep. we're talking, like, top five NBA player, right? So, and, and especially playoff Kawhi, I do think there's a gear. But there is a way to – there's a smart way to attack Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. versus the stubborn way. And I think in the regular season, like, Kawhi only averaged 18 points a game against the Magic. And a lot of that is because of Aaron Gordon stopping him in the post. So, I think once they look over the tape, I'm sure Nick Nurse is going to – I mean, I, I, at least I hope Nick Nurse is going to run a bit more pick and roll for, for Kawhi to get open. Um, what about a guy like Aaron For- Evan Fournier? He seems like someone who would annoy Raptors fans throughout the series, for sure. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and especially because of uh, the Magic's confidence, I think, to just put him on Kyle Lowry and say, you know, we know Lowry's not quick enough to get by a guy like Fournier. Um, and he can, you know, he can he can chase him across screens uh, all day because that's exactly what he does on the other end. Uh, so I think that that part of it might be frustrating, especially if Kyle isn't able to get going offensively. And you're looking at and saying, you know, how can Kyle not get his offense off against Fournier? So um, in terms of offensively, again, uh, it's the shot making. Uh, if if he gets going from three, I think that's a danger because now you've got him and Terrence Ross just really filling it up at the guard spots. Uh, DJ Augustine, honestly, looking at his numbers really surprised me. Um, yeah, he's, he's been an efficient shooter, but he's like he's like a Fred Van Bleek type of shooter. You know what I mean? He's right. not going to create his own shot as much. Yeah, from three. So, so again, I mean, what those guys are able to do in catch and shoot scenarios, I think that's where the real danger is offensively. Um, you, you, when you look at the way they like to operate through Vucevic, uh, if Fournier, you know, if if you allow him to get going, um, he can be a consistent twenty point scorer for them in the playoffs. Um, and I think he's got a sneaky ability to get to the rim as well. So I I, I think those are the areas in which the Raptors have to be careful with him. Um, again, they have the personnel uh, to watch out and defend and, uh, you know, snuff him out uh, on all his, you know, potential scoring opportunities. But uh, again, we, we, we talk about uh, the one positive for the Raptors is that uh, while they give up a lot of corner threes, the Magic don't really take a lot of corner threes. Um, yeah. So that might cater to them in terms of being able to contest those, you know, those those. Uh, above the break threes uh, and kind of fit in with their personnel and their philosophy of what they like to do defensively. Um, but other than that, you know, if the Magic do ch- change things up and uh, and look to attack that area of the Raptors defense where it's like, okay, this is a team that does give up a lot of corner threes. We've got to look to create more of those looks. Uh, Fournier is definitely a guy that can uh, hit them. Yeah, for sure. I-, I think, like, overall the Raptors defensively are going to have no major issues with the Magic. Right. Um, I'm just thinking about, like, the Raptors' offense. I think that is probably the bigger concern here against a team like the Magic. Mm-hmm. But um, Fournier is a guy that I think definitely will frustrate some Raptors fans. Honestly, if I'm if I'm Nick Nurse, obviously you got Danny Green right there, and he's a pretty good defender. Um, but quite honestly, like, why not just put Kawhi on Evan Fournier and take away that thing, right? Because what the, what the Magic really like to do is clear out the left side of the floor, have Fournier come up top off a screen from Vucevic, and either he's um, taking a three from there, that's his most prolific three-point spot, is basically that left wing three. Yep. Um, either do that, or have him get into the paint 
you know, um, usually there's not a lot of help defense on that scenario because, again, they cleared one side of the floor and um, either let him get to the rim. He's okay at the rim. He's not great. You know, he's not an athletic finisher by any means, but he, he has a floater and stuff like that. Um, either that or the defense overplays that. Dish it off to Vucevic, who can go in for the layup. And, like, I'm thinking, you know, why not just put Kawhi there, right? Because, again, you have a guy who's super long like Kawhi. He can chase over the top, climb through the screen, and even if he gets hung up on the screen a little bit, he's got, like, a seven foot four wingspan, mm-hmm. and Evan Fournier is six four, So he could <laughs> probably just reach over and still contest the three, right? Because your major concern is him coming off and getting that three up. So if you take away that three, and then you force... And then you get a scenario where, okay, Fournier decides not to take the three. He curls all the way into the, towards the basket. Then you got Kawhi chasing from behind. I don't really see him effectively finishing a lot of those plays. And again, if, if you have Fournier under control, then I think you can also um, you know, limit what Vucevic can do in terms of crashing the glass on the roll or just being a roll threat. You know what I mean? And so... I mean, you know, it's it's not like you can't live with Danny Green elsewhere. You still have Pascal who can guard Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, offensively, he can put up numbers. He, he can score, but he's not like a devastating score by any means, right? There's not like one specific area he scores really well at. And uh, you could put Danny Green on Jonathan Isaac, no problem. Isaac's not going to do too much there offensively. You could even put Kyle Lowry on Jonathan Isaac. I, I'm serious. Like, I know there's a <laughs> foot difference, but, you know, Lowry's not going to let Isaac get to the rim, and he's going to take some tough floaters and stuff like that. Um, and you know, if you want to do that, you can even keep Danny Green on DJ Augustine, which I think has worked really well for the Raptors. So, I, I think if you're Nick Nurse, you should probably just consider like, look, listen, it's not that hard of a decision. Um, you know, if Danny Green is getting torched a little bit, put Kawhi on Evan Fournier, shut off their main play, and you know, just live with the Magic going one on one. Because if the Magic are going one on one against you, that team does not have enough talent yep. to actually hurt the Raptors. Um, what about Nick Vucevic? Obviously, he's leading the the Magic in scoring. He's yeah. had an All Star campaign. Um, he's also on a contract year, and he's played great. I think he really deserves to be part of the Magic long long term. Although I don't know what you do with Mobamba in that sense, but um, my thing with Vucevic is almost like you know how teams used to treat JV on the Raptors, mm-hmm. uh, and in terms of offensive, it was like yeah, we can let JV score. Honestly, like we're gonna take away the easy baskets. Like we're gonna obviously not let him go to the rim all the time and keep him off the offensive glass. But for the most part, like if JV gets 18 points, we're okay with that as long as we shut off the other options. And I kind of feel the same way about Vucevic. Interesting. Um, I think he's improved defensively this season. Actually, I think it's more of a schematic thing where I feel in general uh, those plotting bigs have benefited from uh, being able to drop more just because uh, the shot spectrum of teams in general is so much more catered to the three-point line and the paint. Um, where, you know, dropping the big just makes the most sense, and I think it helps them out. So I think Vucevic has be- benefited from that. Um, but so, I, I'm, I'm talking more like, if how would I approach Vucevic defensively from the Raptors? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think in terms of defensively, you know, you're not looking at him as a shot-blocking threat. You're not looking at him uh, as someone that... Uh, is going to stay with you laterally. So I think in far, uh, as far as that uh, that goes, you know, you've got Marcus All again who needs to be assertive in terms of recognizing his scoring opportunities. You've got yeah. uh Kyle Lowry like honestly if there's certain opportunities where he's got a bit a bit of a runway to get to the rim, like he just needs to go ahead and take it and then uh and then you know, try and force the, the magic to collapse. I think one of the things I noticed is, you know, they're very adamant about protecting the paint. Uh they're almost like bucks like yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the Brook Lopez thing. Yeah. yeah, and and so they're just gonna dare you to make that skip pass, make you to uh, make make you make that great pass to the perimeter. Um, and the Raptors have enough guys that can do that, that can make that read. So I, I think that that's probably the best way to attack him and attack the Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as offensively goes, uh, you know the one thing because you know you can see that this is a really well coached team they they seem to know exactly where they want to go on every possession uh and the one thing that stood out to me is any time they get a semi semi transition opportunity any transition opportunity they will look to get Vucevic matched up uh on Siakam on anyone basically that's not Gasol or Ibaka uh and even Ibaka they they feel fairly comfortable about it and um, I mean, they should. He he had his best game of the season. <laughs> 30, 19, and 8 against Serge Ibaka right. and Greg Monroe, who was, you know, randomly here with the Raptors. Yeah. So uh, I think that is something that the Raptors need to look out for. Uh, 
that attention to detail that the Magic have where they will seek out mismatches at every opportunity, um, every semi-opportunity. Um, that is one way that they look to get Vucevic going again, which is kind of uh, a way that you look to get Siakam going. Because I, I do think that Marcus All acquisition in terms of matching up with Vucevic should be really good uh, for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, in theory, we, 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 we didn't necessarily see it play out um, in, the, in that Feb 24th meeting. I think we saw it. A, a bit a bit more in in the second meeting and again that's just Gasol getting comfortable right like when they when they met the magic on the 24th that was just his fifth game uh with the raptors and you didn't have leonard and you didn't have fred van vliet um so obviously uh, it allows the magic to do what they want to do mm-hmm. uh even better right so um i do think uh this is where maybe you see uh the raptors maybe take control of the series where you know again if you're able to negate uh the opposing best team, the best player on the team, yeah. uh, then it just makes your job that much easier. Yeah, but, he, you know, honestly, my thing is, like, I don't even necessarily want to negate Vucevic. Like, I'm not trying my best to keep Vucevic to 15 points. Like, he's a big man. He's skilled, gets in the right position. He's got good hands. He's going to score. He's gonna, if he, and if he scores 20 points this game for the series, I'm okay with that. Right. What I'm not okay with is... Um, him getting on the offensive glass, right? You don't want to see him bully the Raptors down low. So you got to make sure the wings, especially if they're caught on switches or whatever, box him out because he is good on the offensive glass. And also just contain penetration to the point where, you know, you're not seeing Vucevic always get dump-off passes for layups. You take those two things away, you let Vucevic take the jumpers. I mean, like, he has shot a decent percentage from three, but, like, the way I'm looking at it is, like, can't how many of those threes can you hit, though? Right? Because, like, okay, so... He can hit like 35% from three, but this season, his season high is four three-point makes. He did that once. That was in October. So everything else, it's been three threes. If he hits three threes in a game, good for you. The Raptors can actually deal with that. You can live with him hitting three threes, and that's probably like the top end. If he wants to shoot 12 threes in a game because the Raptors are you know taking away the paint, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Right? So um, you live with the jumpers for the most part. He's okay. He's pretty good at the elbows too, but again, that's like a 45% two-point shot. That's not necessarily what's going to break your back so that's why i'm saying like i don't want to overreact to vucevic like i don't really want to sell out the defense to take away vucevic hmm. right um and again it going to your point of how you would attack vucevic offensively uh it's kind of the same thing this is a little bit of a prelude to if the raptors play the bucks right because for, uh, in terms of schematically and also just um the personnel it's kind of like a baby version of the bucks right like a really baby version but (laughs) still like they got length across the floor athleticism across the floor and uh, a center who is very big and stays home all the time and so they will give up that pick and pop action and that's where you have a guy like Gasol who again I'm envisioning Kyle Lowry running pick and roll with with Marcus Saul TJ Augustine's trailing Kyle Lowry Fred or Evan Fournier's trailing Kyle Lowry and chasing from behind, and Fournier's or um, Vucevic is backing up with his hand and just basically taking away the rim. Kyle needs to just throw that ball back out to either Serge or Mark, and they need to hit that jumper. That's it. Right. And we know Serge can do it. We kind of know Mark can do it. He, Mark just you know might decide to randomly pass and swing it into another pick and roll or something. But that open shot will be there. And I think the Raptors are well equipped to uh, to handle that. So I'm actually honestly not that worried about Vucevic. Um, I, so I guess that's the one part where we probably defer, right? And I, I think for me, I look at it more from a psychological perspective where this is their all-star. This is their go-to guy. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a value in the playoffs when you take away a team's best player um, that they're starting to say, man, like, we got to get him going. We got it. Like, they get caught up in that stuff, right? Yeah, um, I hear that. But I mean, like, like I, again, like, it, it's like. You're, how much are you willing to sell out to stop Vucevic? No, no, right? You're not going to yeah. double Vucevic for the most part. I mean, it can go both ways, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying either one of his is wrong or anything, right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just different views. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think because when I when when I look at the Magic, like, okay, you know, Ross is going to consistently be be in heat check mode. And, you know, he's going <laughs> to yeah. shoot every shot that comes his way. Um, like you said, you you, you pointed out what Fournier is going to do on the left side of the floor. Um, Augustine, you know, he's going to look to take those set jump shots when he can. Um, and Gordon's going to look to rim run or uh, attack and get, get opportunities, you know, maybe on some mismatches in the post. Uh, but yeah, Vucevic, I think there there's a value for them in seeing him put the ball in the hoop mm-hmm. that if you can take that away, um, then I think you start to get in their heads a little bit. Uh, moving on to DJ Augustine. Yeah. I don't think we have to talk too much about it. Like you said, <laughs> he's he sets the table for them. 
Um, and, you know, he can hit an open three at a reasonable rate. Like, he's like a Fred Van Vliet, basically. Right. If anything, I think actually Fred might be better than DJ. But um, I think, really, DJ is going to hurt the Magic in the sense that he's so small. Yep. Like, uh, and we've, we've seen it in the last game. Danny Green got 29 points in three quarters, guarded by uh, Augustine. Like, not only – like you mentioned earlier, like, okay, if the Raptors run their whole offense through the post with Danny Green, that's not necessarily a win. But you can definitely get like two, three chances a game where you just put Danny on the floor, put him in, you know, in a in the post against DJ, and they will probably help because DJ won't be able to stop him. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, but I think even off the ball, he's not strong enough to actually like stay with Green. There's a couple possessions where I notice like it's not even the Raptors running screen plays or whatever. It's just Danny Green is like, yeah, I'm just gonna like push off a little bit, yeah. and he's not strong enough to actually stay with that. Right. And again, he's also kind of too small to then close out on a guy like Danny Green, who's like legit 6'6". So he's given up half a foot at least. I don't think DJ is even six foot. Yeah. Right? So, like, um, you know, I think Danny can get his offense against him, but I also think that, like, if Fred's in the game, he should attack, uh, you know, um, DJ, and, and, and so should Kyle. Now, I think the Magic are very help conscious in the case of DJ, and so they will bring a second defender to sort of limit whoever he's guarding. But that also means, again, that someone's going to be open, and usually that's going to be the big man. So I don't know. Is there anything else to really say about DJ Augustine, or should we just move on to Terrence Ross? I think we move on. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, and also, Orla- I think Orlando's backup point guards are trash. Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, th- they're just not very good. Like, Jerry and Grant is yeah. not particularly good on offense or defense. He had a surprisingly effective game. Um, the one that they won in Toronto on a he's, Sunday afternoon. He's like the long right light. But also, like, Jeremy Lin got a lot of minutes that game. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Every podcast I'm on, I, get, I catch strays about Jeremy. It's cool. Um, I do have a bobblehead of him on my desk, so, you know, it is what it is. In a Nets uniform. Yeah. He was he was good in that uh, 36 games he played with the Nets. Um, and then MCW, who, like, he shot 16% from three this year and 33% overall. Yeah, he shot worse from the field than Pascal did from three. Like, right. you know what I mean? So even though MCW provides some defense, and I think you know it might be a tough matchup for Fred VanVleet to score on him, but again, that's also not too much of a concern for me. And so let's let's really talk about Terrence Ross because the rest of the guys off the, the Magic bench are mostly hustle guys. Like Ewandu is a hustle guy. He he actually had a, a good game against the Raptors earlier this year where he made a bunch of jumpers, but he's also a bit of an inconsistent shooter. Yeah, and then. Ken Birch is really solid defensively. Got good energy, like a you know, like a Canadian Biombo ish. Not as athletic <laughs> as Biombo, but he's carved on the nice. He can catch the ball. Yes, he can catch the ball. That is important. Yeah. Um, but really, the guy off the bench that you want to focus on is Terrence Ross. And um, I mean, first off, what did you think of Terrence Ross when he was a Raptor? Just curious. <laughs> I mean, it was the inconsistency that frustrated me more than anything, right? Like. You you saw the talent, like especially if you looked at uh, DeRose in the first couple of seasons that Ross was there, you you could see the potential for Ross to be better, to to be the starting shooting guard even, and you know elevate his career from there. But the inconsistency um, and like the the discrepancy between what he was able to produce on the court and what you saw at times athletically, uh, yeah. his jump shot. Um, Yo, that was that one game in 2014 when he shut down Paul George. That was like the height <laughs> of the Pacers. Like the Pacers were like the best team in the league. Yeah. Uh, and that was like the 2014 run or like the start of it where the Raptors finally got good in like December. And Terrence Ross shut down Paul George. And I was so gassed about it. But then. What's with PG getting shut down by Toronto role players? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I was after a certain point. Again, you just lose patience with young guys who don't really figure it out, who don't necessarily, you know, seem to show that uh, maturity that you want. Uh, and he seems to have found that in Orlando. So good for him. Um, and maybe this is a role that's best suited for him, right? Oh, um, definitely. On, where you know he's coming off the bench as a gunslinger on the nights that he doesn't have it Clifford just goes somewhere else and then on the nights uh, well, he does that wh- where else do they go though <laughs> I don't know like the next option is Kem Bird running pick and roll with MCW but I don't know man you might just have to go home but so yeah but yeah. Terrence has been great though like of late like he's averaged 23 points in the month of April and yeah. he's kind of shot the magic into the postseason yeah I mean I, I remember even watching that Celtics game recently which I thought it, w- it was an impressive win for them because they had a big lead 
that the Celtics came back on their home floor, took the lead, and then the Magic held on to win. Mm-hmm. So not easy in Boston. No, exactly. And Ross hit it. You know, he had, he had a big three in that game. Um, after the Celtics made their run, he had a block on the other end. Um, those are the types of plays that you hope to see in Toronto more often, more consistently. He's doing that now in Orlando. Um, and yeah, there, there's definitely a confidence to his game now that you know he knows how to get to his spots on every night. I, I think one of the things that that's interesting as well is I think um, the broadcast was saying in that final game that the Magic played the Raptors, so he's probably had more since then. He he, he had like 25 uh, three point attempts where he, he's been able to draw the foul. Um, yeah, so that he's gotten is, really good at that James Harden thing. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so that's something the Raptors will have to sneakily be aware of as well, that, that he likes to do that, stick his foot out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we'll so, see if he gets that call in the playoffs. Too, but, you know, <laughs> we'll um, and then I think one thing that that also has stood out to me when Ross has been on the floor is he, as soon as he sees Norman Powell on, on like, <laughs> he just wants to go right at yeah, him. Yeah, they're buddies. So, but it, you know exactly, right? I, I so, think Norm wants to do that to Ross too. So Yeah. That's so, a fun matchup. I'm actually really looking forward to that bench Exactly, matchup. right? So so if, if if he, you know, can take the magic out of their offense a little bit with getting a little too hero ball there, um, then that, I think, works to the Raptors' strengths because um, Norm, as, as we know, can be a, a solid defender. He's got the length. He's got the strength. Um, and, you know, in terms of, chasing guys around the perimeter that's something that he he's pretty solid at as well yeah for sure um i i I actually think that powell has a lot of advantages in this series in the sense that like um the way you would attack terrence ross really i mean we've seen enough terrence ross so we're pretty familiar with it right like terrence ross has struggled in the playoffs before first off um let me just read you his playoff numbers he averages six points a game 36 percent shooting from the field 29 percent from deep now granted this was when he was a 24 year old he has since matured. He is now, what, 27? And he's having his best season to date, 15 points a game with the Magic. So, again, this is a, you know, Terrence Ross has obviously improved his game. But I don't think he's fundamentally different. Like, when I watch him, he's still very, like, hit or miss. And so, um, one thing that, that Nick Nurse uh, did in, you know, their win against the Magic earlier this uh, this month was they trapped and they blitzed Terrence Ross right out the gate mm-hmm. and they kept him from getting a rhythm. And I feel like Terrence Ross is one of those guys where he hits one or two shots, he's taking the next five, and he's taking increasingly difficult shots. And even though that sounds like a win for your defense, it's probably not. You don't want Terrence Ross to be aggressive. You want to discourage him early and you want to knock him off his confidence. And I think because of how little uh, talent is coming off their bench, right? Like I mentioned, like who else is he going to be playing with, right? Like, Again, okay, Ken Birch can dunk, but can, what else can he do? And, like, MCW, I don't even know what he can do, to be honest. And, you know, Jerry and Grant, guys like that, Wes do like, I'm fine trapping and doubling Terrence Ross as much as possible and knocking him off this game early. And I think that's going to be one way. But I also think that the other way to play Terrence Ross is just be physical with the guy. He, you yep. know, he doesn't want to play physical, right? He wants to rise up for jumpers. He wants to sort of sneak around, use his athleticism to close the gap. But he doesn't really want to be physical on either end of the floor. So nope. you've got a guy like Norm. Norm is really good at attacking straight-line drives. And Terrence Ross is going to let him do that. Yep. And and uh, so you take it to him offensively. And also, defense, uh, and also I think... Terrence, you know, he kind of falls asleep a little bit defensively. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a couple mo- His, I mean, his priority is definitely scoring, right? So he definitely can fall asleep a couple times. And I think the way Norm has improved, especially in the last, like, two months, where he's gotten really good at coming around uh, to the top of the floor, coming off a down screen, and then firing that three. He's actually gotten really accurate with it. He finished the year shooting 40% from deep. I think there's a couple opportunities where if he's getting guarded by Ross, you can have Norm come across the screen, and I think Ross will be late on that screen. Yeah, and I think he'll get an open shot. So um, I think I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the Powell versus Ross matchup. But I think you know, to be honest, you just blitz Ross. You live with whatever the rest of the Magic bench wants to do, mm-hmm. and uh, you take Ross out of his game early. And I think over the course of the series, I think Ross might be increasingly discouraged if he can't get his offense going. Because again, it's not like Terrence Ross can adjust his game and start attacking the basket um, and creating havoc that way. He's basically mostly going to take you know jumpers, and he's really good at shooting. But you can also limit a guy like that. So, um, you know, let's let's sort of look at the bigger picture. Um, yeah. What's your prediction for the series? If I put you on the spot, Raptors in four. In four. What, what do we? What do we have this whole podcast? We had this whole podcast. You're talking about the Magic being like twenty three and nine or whatever. 
and then all of a sudden you tell me raps before. Uh, I'm gonna be more cautious. I'm gonna say raps in. I'm gonna say raps in five. Okay, I think yeah. that's the most reasonable expectation. But I can also, I, I think raps in five is the most likely outcome. Raps in six is the second most likely outcome for me. Interesting. And you're saying raps in four. Yeah. I mean, that's my third most likely outcome, but. You know, you don't think they'll drop a single game? You don't think they'll go into Orlando, into the, you know, Amway Center, and, uh, you know, whatever else happens, you know, that, that little uh, the mascot that they have, Magic, Stuffed Dragon, no, whatever the really, thing is? really, man. Puff the Dragon? The load is being managed. You got, you okay. know, you, you play Tuesday, and then you don't play till Friday. Um, and then you got the Sunday game to close it out. I, yeah, I, I just think the Raptors' offense is really humming right now. I think defensively, they're really going to key in on... Uh, their principles and you're going to really see uh, a team that recognizes that uh, you know they're looking to play 20 plus games this postseason and so every bit of rest matters and so I think they will come into every game uh, with a killer instinct that maybe we haven't seen in years past and take it one game at a time and really just get it done okay enough said now before we end the podcast we gotta talk about hunger are you we have to because yep. this Kawhi episode, I mean, you and I were both in the office watching it side by side, <laughs> giggling. Uh, I mean, there's no way to watch this entire, like, 22-minute masterpiece without giggling. First off, you know, forget Pascal Siakam for most improved player. We are officially on the Serge Ibaka for an Emmy. Yes. At least a Webby, right? But definitely we should reach for the Emmy because yes. it is the best thing I've seen on YouTube all all year. The Easily. production value season two much better has been incredible yeah much better and yeah right, right from right from the second Kawhi walks in uh like you can see the chemistry that they share right they're mm-hmm. so comfortable with each other they're, they're, they're clowning on each other yeah. i mean Kawhi, Sir, Kawhi insisting that he's from cape town <laughs> yeah and, Yo, and, and, and <laughs> like, it's so absurd it's, it's so funny man maybe he is i don't know and then Serge telling him that his swag is trash like yeah yeah you know it, there's obviously a comfort level between those two um Kawhi saying that uh i can't answer who my celebrity crush is because it's too close for me yeah and it being true is uh is 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 an incredible incredible flex <laughs> seriously he's like yo I, I can't say like it's holly berry because you know i might actually get a text from holly berry so <laughs> or however Kawhi receives communication probably like you know email or like a, a pager mail you think he has a pager he might have a pager yeah Kawhi's yeah. definitely the type to have a pager for sure yeah yeah so um He's on that Stringer Bell playbook for sure. Yeah. It's like it's just, hard to contact him. Man. Randomly see him at a public telephone booth. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? Kawhi, what are you doing? Kawhi? Oh, um, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think anything could top what he prepared for Kyle. Okay, what the, he prepared for Kyle, I mean, Kyle's a good sport. I'll say that much. <laughs> which is worse? Which do you think is worse? Kyle, definitely. Yeah. Because, you know what, though, it, it just, I mean, first off, it, it, both of them looked weird, right? Like, you just don't see those cuts of meat ever, and then, you do, especially, you don't even see those organs detached, yeah. right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you've seen in, like, a textbook, a liver, yeah. right, or just drawn on its own. Yeah. You've seen, like, a stomach on its own. You've seen, like, intestines on their own. You've seen worms, whatever. I, whatever, worms or whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, but you just don't see cow genitalia. Just like on its own, <laughs> and when he when he just shows it that to you, you're like that's that's crazy. But I think, um, I mean, I think what's crazy a couple things. Obviously, one that he fed that to Kawhi. I, I honestly thought that there might be a thing where he's like he actually serves him a real meal this time, yeah. just because it's Kawhi because he yeah. wants to convince him to stay, um, and he didn't do that. But also, he didn't even put salt and pepper on this. Yeah, like, he just he just served him like he boiled it and then he cut it and he put it on a pizza. Yeah. That's disgusting. I thought yeah, I thought he might like try to sneak it in and like cut it up and no. just like no. mix it in there and it's like no, no man, I'm just gonna put this big just, ass penis <laughs> just just draped, right on top, draped it on the top, man. Um, uh, yeah. Um, shouts, good... shouts to Raptors fans who are clearly willing to do anything to keep Kawhi. I asked the question <laughs> on Twitter, like if I told you Kawhi would resign in Toronto if you ate cow penis, would you do it? Yeah. And my mentions. You would not believe some of these mentions, man. There, there, there was a dude that said, "I would do it with it, with it still attached to the cow." Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, all right. Uh, I'm gonna put the explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> um, 
Um, I mean, yo, but for yeah. real though, like, uh, you know, Raptors fans are out here. Like, you're gonna line up at Jurassic Park. It's gonna be like two degrees outside. It's gonna be sleet and stuff. Yeah, you're gonna watch Kyle Lowry get outscored by Matthew Delvadova. This is a memory I have. This is a direct <laughs> experience that I'm re- recounting here. Oh, but man. um, yeah, if Raptors fans are willing to do that, I'm sure they, you know, they go on. How hungry are you for sure? Yeah, yeah. Um, Kawhi's a good sport though. Kawhi mentioned a couple things. Uh, a, he wants to come back for Carabana. Yeah, that's right? big. Which is which is very big. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, B, he wants to go to Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the mayor of Niagara Falls quote tweeted one of my tweets about Kawhi <laughs> wanting to go to Niagara Falls. And he said, you know, he's he's very welcome to come. So there you go. You got the mayor to, to, to bring to the Tim Hortons that's like across from Niagara Falls that, you know, <laughs> uh, every immigrant family has definitely visited at least three times in their lifetime. Um I mean, you know, I think Kawhi just came across overall as really personal, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. inter- we just don't get to see Kawhi interact with anybody, and that, that's for a reason. He's introverted. He and he explained. Uh, he's like, listen, I'm on the court all the time. I'm already sharing a lot of my life with you guys. I don't really need to do more than that, and that's completely reasonable. And I feel like the way people get on Kawhi and make fun of him, it's like it's not that really to make fun about a guy if he just wants to be introverted, right? Right. There's no obligation for him to be on Instagram, on Twitter, whatever. He, if he wants to live privately, that's completely his option. Yeah. But now that you get to actually see him interact comfortably with another guy who he's obviously friends with in, in Surge, like, it was just nice to see his personality. Like, you really get to see that. Like, this guy, he's a nice guy. He really is, right? Yeah. And he's personable. He is funny. He's, he's like a weird, dry kind of funny, but he's funny. Yeah. And uh, he was real chill about the whole thing. And he, he, he got asked about, like, straight up, are you coming back next year? He answered that. Yeah. You know, obviously he's like, yeah, I haven't decided yet, things like that. But, like, you know, like he he just came across as really likable, and I I and obviously Serge has been mad likable throughout the entire series. But this has been Serge's best work as an interviewer as well. Oh, for sure. And I think well, one of the one of the segments that hit home with me was you know Kawhi just talking about uh, wanting to you know get a house where you know his mom can stay and mm-hmm. be happy, and uh, you know just seeing all the things that other people had growing up and wanting to give that to his family and that's basically what it's been about for him you know so you had you had Serge asking him about a burner account it's like he's like dude i don't need that like everyone <laughs> just tweets out everything about me anyway you know what i mean so exactly um so yeah it was cool to see that kind of swag too um and yeah you, you can do you can see that he's, he's just a fun guy <laughs> no for real he is a fun guy man i mean he he took not one but two bites of uh cow penis pizza so you know I his mean, only complaint about the penis just not being tender was hilarious to me. Yeah, it was like it was truly or something. Like, yeah, yeah. he was just like. And then no, the the banter though, like the fact that Serge just kept coming at him with just like and dry just jokes was it. hilarious. You know, <laughs> eventually Serge, Kawhi's like, "Yo, stop saying that." Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, it's such a funny video. I'm sure everyone's seen it, but like, you know, I mean, go watch it again. Just, just watch <laughs> it again. Why not? I mean, it's, it's like literally the greatest piece of Raptors content we've seen um, this entire season. You know, like the no look steal. Double block, you know, pass having 44 points. I mean, yeah, yeah. those are nice. But Serge <laughs> feeding Kawhi a penis pizza is is definitely the best content we'll see out of the Raptors um, all season. And, like, you know. I mean, I was looking forward to, to – I, like, I was looking forward to the Game of Zones episode. But after watching that, no, no, I don't I care about like, that. I don't I was care about like, people drawing. Close. No, in real life, Kawhi's out here doing this. And I can only imagine, again – the image of Steve Ballmer, who's been mad thirsty after Kawhi, you know what I mean? Like, he even came up to Toronto to uh, to, to see Kawhi live, which is very rare um, for, uh, you know, any owner to do. But, you know, he's been mad thirsty about Kawhi. And the idea that this, like, multi-billionaire, one of the richest people in the world, is clicking a YouTube video, a, a, a prank cooking show, like, you know, Chef's Table meets Fear Factor, basically – and he's watching this 23-minute video, and he's, like, probably the only guy who's not laughing watching Kawhi interact with Serge. You know what I mean? He's probably like, oh, my God, what's going on? I can't believe he's doing this. Look at the camaraderie he has with Serge Ibaka and with the Raptors. And When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I just like the idea of him breaking down and crying and as as Kawhi admits to wanting to come back for Carabana, you know? We're not. Because, yo, he can't just go to the Clippers and come back. I don't yeah. think it works like that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not going to be the same love. Not at all. So, um, uh, I yeah. mean, we're less than 24 hours into this thing, and it's got 462K views. That's not enough, man. That's not enough. I'm telling you, It'll this thing's going to crack like 2 million. And it yeah. should. It, it should honestly appeal to any NBA fan. It's like, even if you're just a Raptors fan, like, yeah. it's just a hilarious video. Um, also, quick, shout out to Corey Joseph. Yeah, man. Was, I think he was drafted the same year as Kawhi. Him and Kawhi got close together because if you're rookies from the same class, you're going to spend a lot of time together. Low key recruiting. Low key recruiting. And Corey Joseph's been telling everybody about Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So shout out Corey Joseph, man. Corey's one of the best, man. I, like, I, I kind of want Corey back one day for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like when he came back, it was, when he came to Toronto and he wore the six, I mean, that was just. Man. That was amazing. Like, I, obviously, he's a role player, but I mean, he did everything you could ask for uh, of him, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, great episode uh, of How Hungry Are You? Um, we're going to look forward to the playoffs, and we will preview that. Obviously, we will have um, you know post-game coverage from all of the games throughout the playoffs. The post-game podcast will be here. Either it's going to be the live show that we will do, generally speaking. You know, we'll we'll do game one. We'll see about game two, things like that. But if the if it's not the live show, we'll have the post-game reaction yeah. podcast right here on Raptors of Everything. So, please make sure to rate, and review, and subscribe to the podcast um so you don't miss anything so hopefully raptors have a pain-free first round we'll reconvene once the raptors get to the second round but uh you say four games i'm saying five um hopefully the raptors are saying the same thing so for vivek and myself we're signing out When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.